Welcome to David and David on Real Estate. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of the real estate market and dive deep to understand the issues affecting buyers, sellers, investors, and businesses. If you love real estate as much as we do, sit back, relax, and gain an insider's edge to the exciting world of real estate. David Gorski is a broker and the owner of Sutton Summit Realty, a powerhouse brokerage providing guidance to over 180 realtors. And David Corman is a partner at Corman's LLP, a respected law firm specializing in residential and commercial real estate transactions with offices located in Toronto, Mississauga, and Markham. Good morning, David. And we are today on podcast number 16. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Uh, that's that's 15 hours of content or so, or, or approximately an hour each already there. Um, I hope people are taking advantage of it, listening to it, some of it, find topics people like, and uh, we certainly having fun doing it. So uh, hopefully people are getting as much benefit out of this as we are. Absolutely. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun and, you know, a lot of amazing content, uh, David, and then tapping into your firm's expertise and, um, you know, hearing a lot about the pain points uh, here that we're experiencing at the brokerage and then talking about them, discussing them on a regular basis and talking about the trends in the industry certainly not only has been fun, but hopefully it's been uh, very educational for everybody listening as well. Yeah, no, it is. And I think the education starts with us because I think it's, we both learn from, from each other and, and what's going on at our, you know, my firm at your brokerage, because we always, you know, reflect on how things are affecting our own businesses and, and us as, as owners of, of businesses. And, you know, and that's an important part of this too. And the same thing for the, the listeners, you know, agents, every agent is in business for themselves. And uh, so they've got to think about it, not just how they help their clients, but how's, how are these things affecting their own business and their own opportunities? Same thing with, uh, you know, the people looking at legal issues. So anyways, it's, it's um, some of these discussions I think are very worthwhile and, and, and we're certainly learning ourselves from it and we hope that others can get a benefit too. That's a great point, David. And I mean, our philosophy has always been to lead by example. So, I mean, this podcast is very much that. You know, I want to encourage my agents to start a podcast. I want my agents to be leaders in their respective communities. And, you know, this has been a learning curve uh, and, a, you know, a, a little bit of a different um, aspect for you and I, but it's been great and it's been a great experience. And uh, I think we're both really enjoying this experience and our message to our audience is, you know, step outside your comfort zone. And, um, you know, really do things to push business development to, to different levels and experiment. And there's so many, many different technologies. Like before, like your phone is probably one of the uh, most powerful publishing devices that there ever was. You know, you can create a TikTok video and get 10,000 views. You can, you know, create a podcast and all of a sudden be syndicated on, on all these channels. And, you know, I am driving my car, I press my button and I say, play the David and David on real estate podcast. And right away, it, it pulls it up on my screen. And it's, it's really extraordinary that we have that kind of reach possibilities with uh, a device like our phone. Yeah, no, it's really something. So it's, it's fun to be part of this. And, you know, and part of it, you know, you start it and, and some people question, well, you know, who's going to be listening and how's it going to benefit your law firm? And, How's it going to benefit Sutton Summit and their agents? And the reality is like there'll be benefits internally, but we're also offering this up for anybody. So brokerages that are competing with you, agents that aren't with you right now are listening to it. Law firms, other lawyers that you know, we basically compete with are, are listening to it and might get the benefit of, of some of the things that we say as well. But, but that's fine because like you said, we want to be leaders in the industry. 100%. And, and I know when I'm doing a transaction, I want a good lawyer on the other side. I used to see the other side of the table. We used to actually meet in person and they'd be on the other side of the table, but it's the other side of the file now. And um, you want someone good there and someone competent to deal with. It's not like we're, you expect to get 100% of, of the market. You know, you're going to, you always have to share the market, but we, it's good to educate each other and raise the bar in our, in our businesses. Yeah. 
And I think when you and I first talked about doing this, I mean, that that was really um, the motivation behind this, right? We talked about, you know, how much training our respective offices do together, right? And the whole idea was, you know, how can we leverage that and, and give bigger benefit to the overall industry? And instead of you coming in for an hour and training my agents, we're like, okay, well, let's do it in a more digital platform that it that can have more broader reach and we can engage with more people. And, and that was the whole idea of this. And, um, you know, I, I'm really excited about what we're doing. And, um, you know, I really look forward to continuing the, these. Yeah. And, and while we're doing it, we're creating a library so people can, you know, look us up, you know, find out what the topics are, you know, but there's always some discussion of market conditions and something that may not be identified in the, in the general topic, but every week there's some topic that hopefully will be of interest and they can, they can access it whenever they want. So uh, it's nice to create a library like this too. So um, hopefully people take advantage of it. Absolutely. So October, 2021, let's jump into a little bit of a market update. So we are seeing still, an extremely strong seller's market. And we are seeing a few more properties come on the market, but by no means historically uh, what we should be seeing this time of the year. So a uh, number of showings are up about 10% month over month. And when I say month over month, I'm comparing the last 30 days of 2021 to 2020. Year over year, we're seeing number of showings up 52%, right? Which seems like a high number, but again, it was COVID in 2020. So people weren't leaving the house and they weren't uh, showing properties. Excuse me for one second. So does that keep track showing number? Does that include virtual showings? There's, there's record of all virtual showings as well in that number? No. Um, so virtual showings, I mean, happen at any time. People can always go into a virtual open house and tour the house as many times as they want. And that wouldn't be counted in these numbers. These numbers is when an agent physically booked a showing and we released the log box for him to enter the property. Right. So we know that, you know, during COVID, you know, there still were physical showings, but there were a lot of people that are doing, you know, a lot of their what they would have otherwise done as physical showings are doing online to take their first look at a property sometimes too. So, so there's actually more showings out there than what these numbers reflect. Oh, hundred percent. Like, I mean, if, uh, if you're a buyer and you're interested in a property, chances are you're, you're probably looking at it, you know, 10, 15, 20 times in, in a day. And, you know, you're, you're looking at the virtual tour, you're, you're looking at the pictures, you're looking at Google satellite imagery, right? There's a lot of information available to buyers and buyers we're seeing are really tapping into those uh, sources of information in a really big way to really get to know the property, to get to know the neighborhood, to get to know uh, crime rates and to get to know, um, you know, different communities and different parks and, and you know, who they're prospective neighbors are. So, I mean, all this technology is available and then we're seeing buyers really utilize in a big way. Okay, but you as an agent, and when you're advising your other agents, are you still encouraging people, you know, that have gone online, they've looked at the property, they either like it or they don't like it, or they might say, well, I'm prepared to pass on this one from what I've seen online. Are you still encouraging them though, that we should go and take a physical look at it because you don't see it quite the same way online? Of course. And, you know, that, that's, of course, you know, the advice, seeing the property in person is, is really important. You're always going to get a very different perspective, but it's also market specific and market driven, right? And we're seeing more and more properties be sold uh, virtually without actually booking an appointment. And it's also a timing issue of how quickly our market is moving as well. So we are seeing, you know, properties come up and if they're not holding offers, um, you know, offers are coming in without viewings and, and people are trying to use whatever they can to give themselves an edge and be able to secure the properties. But we're also feeling a lot of buyer frustration uh, nowadays as well because of the multiple offers going on and because of the prices being driven up. And a lot of buyers are, are just, um, you know, not catching up to the market, which, which poses a really big issue as well. Yeah, but I, I think it makes sense, like just logical sense for, 
for you to encourage people to actually attend at a proper one, especially when they're interested. Like staging is so good right now. And, you know, like the stages are really, really good. The photography is fabulous. The videos that they, they do, the virtual tours is so good. And they know how the angles to take and everything is at, at its absolute best. Every room looks twice the size that it actually is, right? So you really, you know, to some degree, you got to get into the, the property, the physical property to get a real feel for what, what a house is all about. You know, it's different from, from looking at it virtually. And I can oh, just tell you, you know, you know, my background's not in sales, but I've maybe mentioned this before. But my father was a fabulous salesman. He was at menswear business. And, and, and he used to talk about, you know, someone would come into the store to buy a suit and they'd be looking at the sleeves of the suits and maybe they might be pulling up a sleeve to take a look at a price where they're just feeling the fabric on a suit. And my father would always say the key to selling a suit is you got to get it on the person. And he'd go over to someone and say, are you, are you here to buy a sleeve or are you here to buy a, a suit or a sports jacket? You got to put it on, see how it looks on you. Everything looks good on the shelf. They all look like navy blue suits. There's, there's 12 of them. But how do you know which one's going to fit you, which one might look good on you, or maybe it won't? But once you get it on them, the sale is almost made, okay? Because they're going to feel good. They're going to look in the mirror. They Oh, they like this new jacket on. It might not, that one may not fit. They may have to go to the next one. But once you get them to take off the jacket they're wearing and put a jacket on their back, my father always said he's got the sale made. And that always stuck with me, even though I'm not in sales. But the same principle would apply. You want, you got to get, people buyers into a house to see the actual house otherwise online sometimes they're just looking at sleeves they're just looking at something and they're just passing on the sleeve 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 and not trying on the jacket you got to get into the house once you're in the house they fall in love with the house or 100% they get or they fall out of love or they fall out of love right they see the warts that are hidden on a virtual tour yeah, and I mean, that emotional connection is really, really important, right? It, and it's the same concept in menswear, you know, try on the jacket, see how it fits, look in the mirror. And it, it's the same when touring a house, you, you know, when you walk the door and you get that feeling that you're home, right? Um, you, you almost know instantly if it's the right property, if, right. if the neighborhood feels right, if, you know, walking up to the front door feels right. Um, we spend such a great deal of time in the home. You know, it's our safety um, net. It's, it's our sanctuary. It's, it's our place on earth that is our own, right? Um, and it's so important to have that emotional connection with the place where you live. And I think that's it. When you're buying a place, at, one, at some point, a buyer stands in the house in one of the rooms somewhere and says, can I live here? Can I is this going to be my home? It's not a house. Is this going to be my home? Is this where my, you know, my children are going to be raised? Is this the community that I want to live in? Is this, is that the school they're going to go to? Is this the park I'm going to take my kids to, you know, to play on the swings, right? You have that emotional connection. It either feels right or it doesn't, right? It feels right. Then you're, then you want to pay to get it, right? You, you'll pay the price to, to, to get it and do what it takes to get it. And you'll listen, hopefully, to the advice of your real estate agent, who's going to guide you through a competitive bidding type of market. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, it's, it's definitely competitive out there. We're seeing the number of sold and leased properties up 4% month over month, 27% year over year. We're also seeing the number of, um, uh, number of new listings up, which this is a key indicator to me. Um, so year over year, we're seeing new listings up 8%. Month over month, we're seeing the listings up 21%. So this is a fabulous indicator that, you know, we are starting to see a little bit more inventory out there. Now, 21%, again, I want to talk about that number because it seems high, but you have to remember that it's from an extremely low number the previous, uh, the previous month. So the previous month, we also almost saw no new listings come on the market. Right now we're seeing a 21% increase, but let's say, you know, 10 houses got, that got listed in September. Well, if 12 houses get listed this month, that's a 21% increase, right? right. So right. you have to kind of look at that number and understand it. We're still relatively low, 
compared to the historical average of how many listings we're supposed to see in the fall time. We're supposed to see a lot more listings coming into the market. We are seeing it trend upwards, but nowhere near where um, you know I'd like the market to uh, the number to be for the um, for the market to be a little bit more balanced out there. It's still a very strong seller's market. We're still seeing a lot of multiples. We'll still, we're still seeing prices go, you know, 50, 100, $150,000 over asking. And we're seeing it happen on a daily basis. Yeah, and that's, that's a fabulous explanation, David, because statistics can be misleading and, and you, you take the time and to analyze what's behind the numbers. And, you know, zero times 10 is still zero. And you have to you have to know that, and it's still a relatively soft market. It's great that there's a trend, you know, that it's going up as opposed to to going down. But like you said, it's a pretty low bar for it to climb over right now. Right. So for a typical fall, for a typical early October, we're, we're definitely down on on what a typical year would be because late August, September, we're really down. But at least it's trending upward. So at least it's going in the right direction, but we're, we're feeling it. We know it's, it's definitely quieter out there. Like yeah. our volumes of transactions coming up for October, November, December are, are, you know, on the low side. I don't know if we'll reach previous year's numbers. Uh, yeah, right now, I sort of doubt it. So, um, you know, we, we feel that lag behind your transactions. Yeah. And we're still busy on the brokerage level. Like we're, we're still processing on a large number of transactions, but I'm seeing that the trend is that people are going further and further outside of the GTA, right? So Brantford, we're, we're seeing Hamilton, St. Catharines, you know, Barrie, um, Oshawa, right? So people are going out and purchasing property um, where it's priced a little bit cheaper. Yeah. And, uh, and getting away from the lake, um, we took a drive last week, uh, my wife and I, we drove out to, well, we, we sort of started out in, in Hamilton, went, just went to the lake, just went for a drive on a beautiful day and decided just to basically take Lakeshore Road and, and head back towards Toronto from Hamilton all the way back and just cutting into every street that was closer to the lake just to see what's going on and, and some fabulous, beautiful homes and properties there and and lots of activity out there. You can see there's a different lifestyle out there, much more active life. People are out biking and jogging and walking and, and dogs everywhere and, and things like that. And lots of condo development. It's interesting to see, um, but uh, not a ton of signs, you know, out there for, for sale. And, and a lot of this stuff is higher end too. Uh, so there's a lot more activity when you get further away from the lake and you get into, you know, to more moderate pricing and then lower pricing there's more activity the high-end stuff uh, is is really not moving fast yeah to me that's always a key indicator david because like i mean you know people that are upper middle class and and people that you know have money on the lake um it's always interesting to see what they're doing with their money right and if there's a lot of turnover in those neighborhoods and you see a lot of for sale signs that's, that's always an indicator that, you know, something's really happening that we have to really pay attention to, right? But the fact that they're banking their money and they're not selling real estate, like, I mean, that's, you know, part of the issue of why our market is where it is because there's no inventory out there. But right. especially like the people that have money, they're even more um, adverse to actually selling and, and listing right now. And, and they're buying, they're buying in a big way and they're holding. And that's what we're seeing. So it's, it's actually a really interesting comment that you made about, you know, not seeing for sale signs along Lakeshore and Burlington and Oakville, because you're absolutely right. There, there's very few. Well, and the other factor in there, it's what COVID has taught us. It's, uh, it's lifestyle choices in, in where you're going to live and type of property. So those people are already at a property that has a backyard and has, has a nice, some nice, land component to it you know they're spread out a little bit they can they can get outside and they can and they have access to the parklands and the and the bike paths and the things down like so they can actually get out of the house and the, and the, there's a lot of value in that that we've all learned because of covid so they're sitting on on the more coveted types of properties right now and don't feel the same necessity to move because they weren't cramped during covid they had some space it's the people that were more 
living in the smaller areas and the smaller lots and everything that have been looking to find uh, you know larger land properties to live on to have a little bit more space to have a proper backyard things like that and they're the ones that are spreading out into the suburbs and and you know the surrounding areas because being in the heart of the city became so expensive 100 percent 100 percent so today's a really interesting topic and today we're uh, talking about title insurance um so david i mean what is title insurance? Well, when you when you buy a title to a property, you're, you're buying legal ownership to a to a property. That's what you're, you're buying. Um, when we used to close transactions in a pre-title insurance world, a lawyer's opinion would be provided to the buyer after we search title and we close the transaction that you bought good and marketable title to the property. In a title insurance world, we're now reporting to them that you bought good and insurable property, uh, good, good and insurable title. So there's a little bit of, of a difference because um, I remember when, when title insurance started, and I'm not sure the exact date, but it was around 1990. And I, so I actually grew up in the world in practice law before title insurance. And lawyers, we would have to do certain searches. We'd have to, we'd have to send letters to the municipality to find out what the property taxes are, get a tax certificate. We'd have to write to the building department, the zoning department, send them a copy of the survey of the property so they can review it and tell us if, if, the, if the property, the house located on the survey complies with all the setbacks and the bylaws. And if there's any infractions and, it would, and the update survey would show if there's encroachments and things like that. And the title insurers came along and it's sort of ingenious and they found a, a way to, to to just grab a market share away from a bunch of people. because so they said, look, instead of you paying money to the city to tell you about the property tax, instead of you sending $100, or it might've been, been $80 or $50 at the time, but it's $100 now, to the city for a tax certificate, don't bother, just buy a policy from us and we'll provide you with insurance that the property taxes are paid and up to date. And if not, we'll, we'll fight the battle and make sure they get paid. And don't bother getting an up-to-date survey and spending a thousand bucks or fifteen hundred dollars getting an up-to-date survey, which is what you would need to send to the building department. Instead, save that money. Don't even bother doing your search. Don't even send a letter to the city of Toronto. You don't have to send a letter to the building department. You save a hundred dollars. Don't send a letter to the to the zoning department. You'll save a hundred dollars. And we will just provide a title insurance policy to confirm. To, to protect them that there's that there's no issues. You don't have to search to see if there's work orders against the property. If the if the buyer finds out at some point after closing that there's work orders, we'll pay to fix up that problem after closing. So instead of spending four or five hundred dollars to give to the city and spending a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars to a surveyor, they're saying instead buy a policy from us for five hundred bucks or whatever the cost was. And we'll provide you with protection. And with insurance, it's all a numbers game. So they know that a certain percentage, a high percentage, they're not going to have to pay anything. They're just collecting the premiums because there aren't any issues or those issues won't surface. Yeah. And for those that do surface, they have a budget and, and they have a pool of money and they'll pay to, to clean up those problems. So it was sort of ingenious. And, and, and they also said, by the way, you know, I don't know what your lawyer was charging. Your lawyer back in those days, 30 years ago, was probably charging close to $1,000. I think it's that we were charging about $1,000 in legal fees to, to close a, a transaction. The legal fees went from that to about three dollars to $400 for a lawyer because it was like, hey, lawyer, you don't have to do some of these searches anymore. You don't have to pay a clerk to send all these letters and follow up to get these responses from them. We're going to do some of that. We're taking that away from you. Therefore, you charge less. So they weren't doing any great favors at the time for the legal profession. There was a lot of angst in our profession that they're just trying to muscle in on us. Because in, in, in effect, that's what they did. They muscled in on our legal fees. They muscled in on the revenues that the, the municipalities were getting from doing these, these searches. They muscled in on, on work that surveyors were getting. And everybody's buying title insurance progress, so policies. So they, they've had a lot of flack over the years. In the meantime, it's been about 30 years. And, and we're all realizing there's a lot of benefits to title insurance too. And, uh, and, and we've all evolved. And, and it's, I think it's a, I'm a big 
supporter of, of title insurance. So I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm just giving a history lesson on it. And at the time, there was lots of people in our profession that were against it. You know, it basically reduced our fees um, in, in half at the time or, or less because we were doing less on the files. So we were providing, we were getting a policy. So we we're certifying that or giving an opinion they have good and insurable title as opposed to good and marketable title. And we weren't doing all the searches. So how's that for a history lesson? Wow, it's uh, quite extensive. Um, and it's, it's interesting to see the evolution, right? And um, I think you nailed it because one of my questions is going to be, you know, this system wouldn't make sense if there were a lot of issues, you know, when you're searching bylaws and you're searching deficiencies and work orders. Like if you, if every single transaction you closed had a work order deficiency or, or some sort of infraction or, or wasn't compliant with bylaws, um, you know, this wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense to do it this way where, you know, you're, you're basically saying that uh, the title is insurable, uh, but not good and marketable, right? Because then the insurance companies would have a huge headache rectifying all these issues. But I think if you were to look at the industry average and say, you know, 99.9%, and I'm just throwing out a number out there, David, correct me, because I mean, you would have way more experience than I, I would in terms of saying what the percentage of issues uh, that arise in residential transaction is when it comes to those things that title insurance protects you. But if the numbers didn't make sense, then there wouldn't be a business model here. But because the numbers were so few and far between where there were issues, right? Somebody looked at this and said, well, why is the legal profession doing all this work? You know, and why are we waiting for the municipality to respond to, you know, 500,000 inquiries into does this house comply with zoning? We know it does. Permits were obtained when the house was built. It was inspected. You know, somebody went over there, a surveyor measured, like it's, it's, it's you know, the house has been standing for 30 years. There's never really been a complaint, right? Right. Um, so why don't we look at this in a, in a completely different way and, and solve this issue by providing insurance? And um, I agree with you, David. I mean, I think, you know, at the beginning, um, it was probably tough. Uh, on the industry, but the evolution has been such that, you know, probably now title insurance is the single biggest piece in, in closing a transaction and having peace of mind that if something happens down the line, um, and, and these are, we're talking about really big issues like encroachments or title issues, title fraud. Like, I mean, these are really big issues if they do occur um, that protect the buyer and the lender. Yeah, that's true. And it's lenders too. Lenders accepted. That's a great point, David, because lenders accepted this a long time ago that either get me an up-to-date survey and then send a municipality to make sure that everything complies, or we don't need a survey at all if you get title insurance. So you don't have to spend money on the survey. You don't have to check for work orders. You don't have to check for anything because the, the beauty of title insurance is it protects a buyer. It protects a lender. From, from defects that they don't know about at the time that they close the transaction. So the title insurance saying, you know, close your transaction. You, you, you see a house, okay? And let's just use a house that's been around for a long time in the middle of the city of Toronto or, or in the middle of Mississauga or, or anywhere. It's been there for a long time. You, your agent takes, you go look at the house and you like the front porch. It's really neat. You, you, can, you can see yourself hanging out there. It's got a deck in the back that you think would be great for a barbecue. It's got some fencing back there and they're buying what they see and they want to live there. So we don't bother to, to see, you know, was that, was the deck built lawfully? Was there a permit issued for the deck? Is there a work order against it? Is the porch built the way it's supposed to? Is it the code? Does it comply with the setbacks? We don't have to make those inquiries because if we do make those inquiries, it turns out that the porch is too big and it doesn't, and it infringes on the setback. Well, now there's going to now we got to get rid of the porch. We got to build it back and make it comply. Uh, the deck uh, was built without a permit, and um, you know, let's say, or or it encroaches them. Well, we got to remove the deck. Well, now they don't want the house, right? It changes your use and your feel for the house. Now, the fact is, there's very few that are actually built without permits and have work orders against, which is why title insurance companies can play the play the game. It's a it's a percentage game. But from a buyer's point of view and everything, people can buy what they see. 
and feel confident in what they see. So let's say they buy that house. We don't, we get title insurance. We don't know if there's a work order. We don't know if there was any outstanding permits or something. And then something comes up, a neighbor complains or a neighbor gets a survey and it turns out the back deck is encroaching on their property or their fence encroach and an issue comes up. So then the title insurance company kicks in to deal with the problem. Okay. And what's interesting about a solution that title insurance comes up with, the solution isn't always to rebuild the deck or take it away because it no longer be used. Sometimes the, the, a settlement is reached and they say, you know, you can just keep it. And we'll, well, maybe we need an encroachment agreement and, and we'll, we'll negotiate that with the neighbor. Um, and and the, they'll provide a policy to the next buyer. So their solution sometimes to the current owner is keep what you have. When you sell the property to someone else, the issue comes up again, we'll provide a title insurance policy to the next buyer to insure over this issue. So we're never going to fix this issue. We're never going to correct it because everybody is happy with this defect. So sometimes the solution is let's leave the defect because everybody likes it and we'll just provide an insurance policy over it. And because down the road, maybe someone will no longer want it and want it fixed, but we don't have to fix it until someone really wants us to fix it. So it's sort of an interesting way that they find a, a solution to it. And I mean, everything, uh, I'm a firm believer that if you put two heads together, you can find a solution to any problem out there, right? And I, I think this is no exception here. Um, and it's a very interesting way of solving issues, right? And negotiating with the neighbor, coming up with an encroachment idea, uh, agreement, maybe pay, paying them some sort of a, a compensation uh, for, for the encroachment. But uh, the object here is to make sure that everybody's happy and to make sure that every uh, things can proceed as is. Yeah, and the key is looking carefully at what they cover and, and what they don't cover. And um, like, like they don't, there's no cover for like environmental issues or, or something like that if you're on a, on a property and, and commercial transactions are dealt with differently. Like in, in our firm, 100% of residential transactions we close have title insurance. Okay, if a client does not want to have title insurance, we'll we always explain to them the benefits of title insurance. If they choose not to, we're, we're not going to do it. We're going to pass on it. Let, let somebody else do it. It's, to me, it really? just does not make sense for anybody to close a residential transaction without title insurance right now. It's going to cost them more money. There's more exposure to them. There's more risk to them. And so there's more, the benefits outweigh the risks. So we explain that to them. So, so we end up like 100% in residential, we're doing title insurance. Commercial transactions, uh, the majority of them these days were actually getting uh, commercial title insurance policies. Uh, for a long time, I think we were more in the 50-50 range uh, because there's certain benefits, there's certain, other, a lot of times we're doing a lot of the searches anyways, there's reasons for us to, to make those inquiries on commercial transactions. Uh, sometimes we make some of those inquiries, but we're still getting title insurance because it covers certain issues. Errors and emissions and... Yeah, and, and one of the things you touched on it briefly, one of the, the big advantages of title insurance is that there is fraud protection. And, and that's something that we couldn't protect anybody in a, for in a pre-title insurance world. When we were just um, doing our searches and providing our title opinions, we couldn't protect them for future fraud issues that come up. But one of the things, and it's one of the key selling features of title insurance is that they do give owners and lenders fraud protection. So if somebody in the future you know, steals your identity, a buyer's identity, and tries to sell their property or put a mortgage on their property fraudulently, their title insurance policy will cover for them. And it'll, they'll jump in, they'll protect them, they'll pay their legal fees for defending their title, they'll go to court, they'll do whatever they got to do to chase it down, and they'll pay out the amount to protect the lender, to protect the homeowner. So there was no coverage for that in a pre-title insurance world. So to me, like that's a huge, huge benefit of title insurance. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we purchased a commercial building where uh, our brokerage uh, is, uh, is residing. And, um, you know, we had an issue um, with a sign on our front lawn. Yep. The previous owner applied for um, um, a sign permit and it came to our attention that there was no permit in place. We got served with a notice from the city 
And uh, David, I approached your office and we talked about it and uh, we thought about uh, title insurance on our commercial property when we bought the building. And sure enough, you know, uh, Stuart Title was uh, covered the, uh, the issue. The sign was removed. We had a company come pour new foundations. We had it inspected, we had a new sign erected and, and the whole um, aspect was covered by title insurance. So, you know, when you're buying a commercial property, um, there's so many different aspects to it, you know, and uh, just having that protection. And I mean, this came three years after we purchased the property came to our attention that there was no permit for, uh, for the sign that we had in the front lawn. So, um, you know, it just gives you uh, the ultimate example of, of how you can utilize your title insurance company um, to your benefit. Right. And, you know, and that's a great example. So if, if we didn't have title insurance at the time, we would have written to the city to see if there's any outstanding work orders. At the time, there may not have been an outstanding work oh. order because no one had noticed the sun. The sun was built without a permit. No one would have noticed it. Yep. So we would have gotten a letter back from the city. So no, everything's good. And there's no outstanding work orders, you know, unless they send somebody to inspect them. They don't always do that. Like we're, we're asking, our inquiry is for any existing work orders. Is there anything on record? Any outstanding open work permits or anything like that? We're not inviting them out to inspect. That's not part of the process. So we never would have known about it. And then three years later, all of a sudden, you know, as it happens, an inspector says, hey, that sign doesn't look right. They happen to see it and they, they check into it and there's no work or no the permit issued, you know, the issue of work work. And you're stuck with that mm -hmm. because it was something you didn't know about and you got no coverage for it. So, you know, that's a, it's a great example. And I don't know what, do you know, do you have an idea what the overall cost was to the title insurance company to fix the issue? It wasn't substantial. It was a couple thousand dollars, but um, you know, for for me, it was great because we hired a professional company and uh, uh, we installed a, a great sign. You know, we we installed metal um, metal footings and and we replaced the whole sign with a, a really substantial metal frame sign. And um, you know, we really went all out, and and the whole cost was covered by title insurance, which was great. Right. So they probably paid out more than than what their policy was at the time, or I, I don't remember what your, the cost of the policy was, but um, but you know that's a great example. And you know we've had examples of title insurance companies stepping up to pay for things that are, are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars right. um, yeah. as well, and uh, and they're prepared to do it. Um, you know that's that's part of the game. If there's a, a legitimate claim, they pay out. And what I've found, you know, personally in our, in our firm, like we deal, you mentioned Stewart Title Insurance, Fiberless Title Insurance Company. Uh, we, we deal with uh, First Canadian Title Insurance. We deal with Chicago Title. Uh, to some extent, we've got fabulous relationships with all of them. And, um, and what we've found with them is, you know, because we're, you know, we're, you know obviously our firm is, is dealing with a lot of policies. You know, we're really good source of business for them with the volume of transactions that we do. So, so they actually pay attention to us. So when we say we got a problem here, we get really good service from them. They, they take it seriously. And we really do find with that, with those companies, they're not looking to get out of the policy. They're looking to find a way to cover it. They're not looking for the loophole to get them out of the policy. They're trying to go through policy to see how they can cover it. And if we can't, if it doesn't quite fit this coverage, maybe it'll fit this coverage. And, and that's been our experience. And I think it's partly because of the volumes we do with them in our relationship, but our experience with them is when our clients have a, an issue, they're looking to find coverage, not looking to get out of coverage. And I think I've mentioned this to you in the past too, that we've experienced with Stuart and, and with, and with First Canadian Title, a few instances where they analyze and they say, there isn't any coverage. We looked at this top to bottom. We've been trying to find it. There isn't coverage, but we're prepared to do something anyways. We're prepared to kick something in anyways to, to help out your client. And, and they've actually done that when they, when they had no obligation to do it. You know, not 100% coverage or anything like that, but they've kicked in somewhere to help find a solution and to provide advice on how to fix a problem. So like that's invaluable. And that goes to relationships. And you and I talk about that all the time. All the time. And right? I was actually just about to mention it again. Right. It, you know, it's such an important um, topic of discussion. And 
I talk about relationships all the time with my realtors, right? And it's, it's always the same case. You never need an amazing lawyer until you need a lawyer, right? Because <laughs> again, you know, a lot of these transactions will close with, without any issues. But when you need a lawyer, you really need a lawyer and you need a, a great lawyer that's going to take the time, discuss the issue, give you a workable solution and really work with you to really stay on top of all these issues, right? And, and title insurance is really no exception and really fits into that mold as well. And, you know, when you're working with an A-level law firm like, like Corman's, you know, that extends to your relationships with the people that you guys do business with. Right. Right. And clients leverage those relationships. Right. And, uh, you know, and I appreciate those comments. And and that's what we talk about. Like We're always working together. We're a team. It's important for us to have a relationship with the agents. It's important for us to understand the agents know way more about the clients than we do. So some of the information that you're giving us really helps us, too, because our, our standard answer would be, uh, you know, do you need a survey for this property? Do you need an updated survey? And our answer would be no, you don't, because we're going to get title insurance and we're going to close that way. So, we, so sometimes we don't want to know if there's defects to the problem. We'd rather close if something comes up afterwards. We'd rather have the title insurance covered. But on the other hand, if the agent happens to say to us, "Oh, you know, they bought this property. It's got a big backyard, and they really want to put a pool in, and they want to do some major landscaping, and they want to, you know, or put a sports court in, or they're going to do something." Then we were starting to think about, well, maybe you know, maybe we do want to get a survey or at some point they're going to be getting a survey. So we want to at least it's important for us to have information like that sometimes about what the intended use of a property is to determine whether or not our advice to them ultimately was, you know, don't bother getting a survey and we don't want to check anything out. Let's just close, get title insurance and deal with it afterwards. OK, but, you know, we work hand in hand as, as a team. So. Uh, you know, there's a lot of information that agents get that uh, it's nice to have that relationship because a uh, lot of times, you know, agents actually call me or, you know, get, get in touch and say, hey, I've got something I want to send to you with really nice people. I want to introduce you to them. This is what they're looking to buy. And, you know, I'm referring to you. And, you know, it's great to have that conversation sometimes as opposed to just, oh, we get an email with a copy of the agreement of purchase and sale. Uh, you know, can you act on the closing? So, you know, we know nothing about the people. We know nothing about what they want to do with the property at that point in time. So we got to, then we got to get in touch, ask, you know, try and ask some, some key questions, right? But, because uh, for the most part, you know, we don't need an up-to-date survey. We're going to close with title insurance. We don't need to make those inquiries. There's certain instances where it might make sense to, to do it. And, and, you know, you'd think, David, that, you know, surveyors would have a lot less uh, work on their hands, but that is the furthest from the truth. One of my really good friends happens to be a surveyor and, uh, you know, the poor guy works seven days a week and 20 hours a day, right? Because he's the only one that has the ultimate stamp and he needs to oversee personally every single survey that goes out from his office. And, you know, the amount of liability and, 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 and attention to detail that surveyors have um, is astronomical. And I was actually told that there's almost no schools in all of Canada that uh, teach people how to become a surveyor. So it's a, it's a dying craft, yes. but uh, they're still busier now than they've ever been before in, yes. in their career. Yeah, the ones that are, that are doing it are extremely busy, extremely. hard to get a hold of. So obviously the prices have gone up yeah. you know, in what they charge to do it. Um, you know, they keep historical records of all the properties too. So I'm always telling people if, if we do need to get, you want to get a survey updated, or if you want to find out there's a survey, we got to find out if there was, you know, who was the surveyor 20 years ago or 30 years ago that looked at this, or maybe did an old survey or did the neighbor's survey because the neighbor had got a survey, they would be looking at your property as well. So the logical person to, to look up is that surveyor because they would have historical records of all this and they, they keep that and they can update as opposed to you know, doing a survey from brand new. So there's still huge, huge value in, in what a surveyor does. And anybody that is going to be putting new fencing on their property or, or landscaping along the borders of their property or putting a pool in or a sports court or anything like that needs a surveyor. Anybody that's doing an addition to their property and some major renovations, they've got to check it out. So they still go through that process getting a surveyor. Now, when they get a survey done and that survey happens to reveal certain problems, 
you know, there's a shed in the backyard that happens to be two feet onto the neighbor's property or the neighbor's shed is on your property. Now we got an issue and now there, there'll be, there should be coverage to fix that issue because we didn't know about that issue at the time the transaction closed and there was title insurance coverage for it. So now we find out about the issue and there's coverage for it. Just like your sign issue, you find out after the fact, but you've got coverage for it. And then you're given, you know, various options about how to, how to remedy the problem yep. and not at your expense. Yep. And David, all this comes back to, you know, again, working with somebody that can really help you navigate all these situations. Title insurance is great because it protects you, right? And it protects you after the transaction closes. Now, it's my understanding that when title insurance is purchased, it protects you for the life that you own the property. So even if you own the property 40, 50, 60 years, you have that protection for the whole time you own the property. Right. That's a great point. At the time you close a transaction, you buy a title insurance policy. So you're getting an owner's policy. And at the same time, there'll be a policy issued to your lender. So your owner's policy, you're paying a premium at that time. And it's a one-time premium. You never have to pay another premium. It's not like other types of insurance, not like your your other home insurance and your car insurance you're paying on an annual basis. The premiums don't go up, nothing changes. It's a one-time cost. If you own the property for 20 years or 40 years, you don't have your coverage continues based on that one policy that you bought. Okay. Now your lender's policy will expire when you're when you refinance the property. If you go to an if you if you had a policy with one bank and three years later your mortgage is up and you go and get a, a new mortgage from a different lender, you're going to be buying a lender policy again at that point in time because that and, and it's the owner of the property that pays for the lender's policy too. So you might be paying for title insurance for your lender during the course of your ownership if you have a mortgage on the property, but your homeowner's policy is paid for once and that's it. Gotcha. One time premium. What happens when title is transferred to a spouse or to um, surviving children? Well, that's a good question because Sometimes we go back to the title insurance company to see if they extend coverage to it. If it's a title transfer between spouses, or it could have been like one spouse on title, they want to add another spouse, or there was two on, they want to take one off for whatever reason. Generally, the, the answer we get back is we'll, the coverage will continue because they really consider it the same owners. Okay, If they're transferring it down to another generation or something like that, they, they take a look at it. So, but there's ways of doing that too, because if we're adding someone to the title, let's say it's, you know, a husband and wife own it and they want to, for, um, for estate planning purposes, they want to add their children to the title, add them as joint tenants. So if they died, their children would, already, would be the survivors and automatically get it. Sometimes the policy will extend them. They're just adding them to an existing uh, title. Okay, so we don't have to pay a premium, but we look into that at, at the time to see if, uh, if, there, if there's coverage, to make sure there's coverage. Awesome. Let's talk about a couple um, couple things that is not covered by, by title insurance. Can you give me an idea of what wouldn't be covered? I know we talked about environmental yeah. issues. Yeah, environmental issues is, is not covered. Now, there aren't a lot of environmental issues that come up on residential properties, but but you know there are a lot of properties that historically had oil oil tanks. You see it still in a lot of rural properties and cottage properties where it's you know the heating was from oil tanks. They might have been underground tanks. So there are potential environmental issues that you have to deal with with, with some properties. So that's not something that they they would typically cover. Um, the big thing that they do not cover if there's any known defects. So if at the time of closing, if you knew about a defect, you knew there was a work order, you knew there was an encroachment, you, if you had knowledge of it, and then you close the transaction, title insurance is not going to cover it. So that's why I, I say we, we don't make those inquiries. We'd rather not know if there's problems. We'd rather close the deal. And if we happen to find out after closing that there was a problem that existed prior to closing, you have coverage for it. But once we have knowledge of a deal, like if we know before closing that there's a work order in property, we have to bring that to the attention of the title insurance company and they will exclude that from their policy. Okay, so a known defects. seller in that case would be responsible for rectifying it before closing, right? Which, I mean, right. the, the issue there would be that there'd be delays, you know, there'd be 
um, estimates, there'd be holdbacks, there'd be, you know, different things that we would have to work together collectively to rectify the issue before closing takes place. Right. 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 With title insurance, you know, yes. we know that the buyer is protected, but all these things would happen after the transaction closes, I guess. Right. And it doesn't prevent you from closing. The stuff can all be dealt with. And sometimes the solution is that, that physically nothing will be done because we'll just insure over it and everybody's happy to leave it. But if you find out there's a work order prior to closing, we send a letter to the seller's lawyer saying, you know, get rid of this work order. Right. So they've got to get an inspector back in. Maybe that maybe everything's been looked at, but they hadn't uh, re-inspected. So you got to get an inspector in. It's up to their availability. And then they got to write a report. It creates delays and closings. Um, so because we, we can't close. Or like you said, we might have to start negotiating holdbacks of amount from closing proceeds to make sure the work order gets gets removed after closing and things like that. So it certainly complicates transactions. Um, it certainly um, delays transactions because it has to be cleaned up. Um, you know, the same existing work order, if we didn't know about it at the time of closing, you find out about it five years later, and the answer might be to clean it up. And the answer might be, no, it's not bothering anybody. We're going to leave it as it is. And we're just going to, the insurance company will just provide a, a policy to the next buyer too. And, and we're not going to remedy that. And, and for me as a lawyer, that was a tough concept to grasp 30 years ago when, when it's like, like, what do you mean you're not going to clean up these issues? What do you mean you're not going to fix, you know, certain title problems or encroachment issues or, or, or work orders? You're not going to, you know, if there's outstanding tax, you're not going to clean it up. Like you're just going to ignore it and just live there. And, and it's to some degree, that's the answer. And that's because in certain circumstances, that's, that's a better solution than to fix the problems, which is sort of a, a weird thing when you think about it, but they'd rather live in the house with that beautiful deck in the back than have it torn down. Yeah, and some of these houses have stood the test of time. You know, some of these Victorian houses in Toronto, I mean, they're hundreds of years old and, and you know, they're, they're more solid today and some of the new construction that we see using plywood and, you know, uh, MDMF and, and, and not even real wood products, right? So, um, you know, you're right. It, it, it's one of those feelings that's, you know, that that's, we feel torn between, you know, do you fix the issue now? Or, you know, do you have insurance and, and protect everybody and insure over top and, and, and continue kind of living with, uh, with the status quo, right? But um, there's certainly protection for, for the buyer here, which is the most important thing. And, um, you know, there's a way to navigate through these situations. Yeah, and, and just to finish the answer that I was giving you about things that are excluded, the other thing that's excluded is anything that the buyer does to the property. Right. So, and, and there's a lot of situations come up where the buyer does something after closing. Maybe the buyer builds the deck or the buyer fixes the porch and extends it out, you know, a few inches. And, and now they're, they're offside with a setback. They got too close to a neighbor's property or something like that. And a lot of times buyers think, Oh, you know, if I did something and there's a work order is then issued, then, I'll get coverage for it, but it doesn't work that way. If it was something that the current homeowner did during the time they own the property, there, there won't be coverage uh, for that. So in your sign example, if you put up that sign, you would not have had cover. You put up an unlawful sign, you don't get coverage for it. The previous owner did, you didn't know about it at the time of closing. No knowledge it works in your favor under this system and therefore title insurance covers you. Yeah. And it was a very uh, smooth process. I mean, you know, I, I want to ask you how we, you know, how people can go about submitting a claim. But uh, I mean, for us, I just reached out to uh, the clerk that was on the transaction and um, um, she communicated with, uh, with the title company, asked me for a couple pieces of information, which I provided. And, and then uh, it was as, as easy as that. But uh, um, normally, David, how, how would you submit a claim for title insurance? Well, that, that's basically it. You, you, you really start when there's an issue, you go back to the, to the lawyer that acted for you that helped arrange for the title insurance policy like, like we did with you. 
And, and it's really, it's not a very difficult process at our end because we're not going to be dealing with it. We're just trying to get the information in the hands of the title insurance company saying, you know, here's, here's the story, here's the property, here's your policy, here's the issue, this is whatever dogs you have. And then we, we hand it over to them. And, and then anything else they're going to need from our file, that's going to be our rule just to give them whatever else they need. But once we put it in their hands, their claims department is really good at, at just jumping on it and acting quickly and you know they know what they're going to need and some of it they're going to be getting from you as the owner some of it they might need from our file from our from our searches or from whatever information we have and and once it's in their hands they run with it and and we have very little to do with it from that point on once uh, once we make the contact and put the the policy owner in touch with the title insurance companies because like i'm saying these times like they're really good and they're very good at processing claims and uh, they react quickly and they, you know, I, I think they're, they're great. And they're not trying to throw anybody under the bus and putting blame anywhere. They're actually looking what the situation is and they're very solution oriented. How can we fix this for them? How can we give our, the owners of our policies some coverage? So that's really refreshing. So I know we've all had experiences with insurance companies over the years for other types of insurance. And it's always like, how can I get out of covering the, the under this policy? Where can I find a loophole, an exception, so I don't have to pay out, right? So it's it's nice to know that they're they're they really try to work the other way because it's in their interest. You know, they love putting out a story of how they covered somebody. Um, yeah. You know, and they've got the money to do it because, like, you know, the the percentage are so in their favor of not having to pay out on a policy. David, you have to stop living in my head. Every single time I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk about something, right? <laughs> you, yeah. But it's true. I mean, you know, they, they have that ability and that approach because of the amount of claims that they get or lack of, right? Um, I mean, if, if the amount of claims rose up a certain percentage, um, I can guarantee you that they'd be looking at it very differently, right? But because... Right. There's not a lot of claims out there. You know, the few claims that they do get, they're happy to really go to bat to show the benefit of really having title insurance coverage and, and protecting and, and, you know, uh, the product that they're selling, right? right. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's great. It's nice to actually have that kind of approach uh, from an insurance company. And the other thing that we haven't really touched on is the fact that there's no deductible coverage. That's true. There's no deductible on this. There's nothing. And not only are they covering you for the cost of fixing the problem and dealing with the municipality or whatever they got to do, they, if they have to do a severance, if they have to do um, uh, an application to get a variance to, to permit something that was encroaching or a variance in the setback, whatever those costs are, they're eating those costs as part of the solution, including the legal costs, you know, for hiring lawyers to 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 act on it and do it and go to court if necessary so it, like it's complete it's complete coverage that way yeah. so it's it's you know there's a lot of benefits to it does the uh client have to pay the costs up front and they reimburse or do they nope. cover all the costs from no nope. from... they, they will review it and they'll determine once they determine that it's something that they're covering then they're looking after everything there's nothing you know the only thing they need from the homeowner is certain information you know, certain details that they have or their lawyer has uh, about the transaction and, and, you know, to complete their forms and, and get the whole history, but they're not laying out any money for it. You know, everything is being covered by the title insurance company once they determine that they're, they're covering. Amazing. And, and David, in your experience, how long does a typical claim take? Like, are they quick to react? Are they quick to um, you know, logistically navigate? Because I mean, sometimes when it's a big issue and they have to coordinate with surveyors, lawyers, the township, engineers, um, you know, do they, do they go through that process rather quickly? Well, yeah, I, my experience is they do go through it rather quickly. You know, it, it depends on the nature of, of the issue. You know, for example, property taxes is one of the things that's covered. So we don't have to write to, to get a certify, a certificate from municipality as to, to confirm that the 2021 property taxes are have been paid to date. We can rely on information that the vendor 
and the vendor's lawyer is telling us, yeah, I paid my tax bill. And then we adjust based on that. If it turns out they didn't, and there was a few hundred outstanding or a few thousand outstanding, we would write to the other lawyer saying, hey, your taxes were paid, you know, fix this in a week or we're going to give it to title insurance. So if they don't, we just hand over title insurance. So title insurance will pay the taxes, the outstanding taxes immediately to protect the homeowner. So not incurring penalties and interest. And then they'll go chase the seller for it. And more often than not, they'll end up collecting from them if they can find. Occasionally, there might be an absconding seller that they can't collect from. And that's a cost of doing business to the title insurance company. So there they're reacting like quickly, boom, 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 like it's going to be done. They're going to lay out that money right away to give to the municipality and make sure the property taxes are paid. And then they'll go chase it down afterwards. So something like that is an easy response. You know, I've been involved with some, I had a client who bought a, a property in Mississauga. It was actually two lots that were put together at one point. One, they had a big, huge home on. The other house had a swimming pool and a sports court and cabanas and you know, tennis court. Like it was beautiful property. Turns out a lot of it was encroaching on conservation lands and done without permits and wow. things like that. So, uh, you know, when that became apparent, there was uh, no problem. Our client, you know, living there, moving in using it, enjoying it. Uh, we got title insurance coverage to go through and deal with it all. And there was a certain confidence level that municipality was not going to make them undo everything or take it away. We knew that there was an issue with the retaining wall against the conservation lands and a big cost would have to be done to, to build that up and get proper permits to, to do that. And that was sort of the focus, but they insured over the whole thing. So it, it probably took four or five years for the thing to get completely resolved and settled. But the homeowner never felt any of that. They just moved in and lived there and enjoyed their swimming pool and tennis court and and everything. And everything was done around them. And it, that one took a lot of time because there were certain variances that, that had to be applied for and dealt with, and and um, you know which ultimately were you know succeeded in doing and getting building permits and beefing up the retaining wall and then getting it reinspected and things like that. But it didn't affect the homeowner's use of the property, which was which was great. And then before it was even resolved, the homeowner sold the property. Wow. And, and we said to the, the potential buyer, here's our, our title insurance coverage for it. And here's the undertaking of the title insurance company to follow this right through. And it was transferable to the next owner. And we got their lawyer in touch with the title insurance company. They got confirmation. They got a new policy issued to the new buyer. And the policy and, and all that coverage continued for the next buyer. Amazing. So, uh, it was it was a great example of how it works. Yeah, and I think there's a certain level of uh, confidence that's instilled in 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 not only the new buyer but also uh, the old buyer as well. Because I mean, you know, you buy a property, and and even though um, you always assume that everything's done correctly, I think when you go through this process of, of obtaining permits, of of making sure that everything's done a hundred thousand percent correctly, and and, you know, when you're dealing with conservation, when you're dealing with, you know, retaining walls and, and, and permits and beefing them up, you know that they're not going to take any chances and it's all going to be done 100% correctly. You know, you have an engineer, you have an environmental assessment company, um, you know, you have all these different departments and all these different professionals working together to make sure that you have a first class solution. And I think as a buyer or as a property owner, to me, I would want to know that there's no expense spared and it gets done correctly, right? And a lot of the times, if you're a homeowner by yourself going through this process, you know, are you really going to hire an environmental company to come and do an assessment? Are you really going to hire the best engineering company to, to, to you know, do everything for you the way it's supposed to do? Or are you going to hire an engineering company that says, well, you know what, we could probably get away with this, Right. Whereas, you know, when you're going through this process with title insurance, everything is going to be dealt with 100%. Right. And, and they did. And, and it was all done thoroughly with proper professionals. And can you imagine what this transaction would have been like if we weren't using title insurance and we were making inquiries and found out that these that there were all these defects and there were problems and there weren't proper permits issued and there was and there was issues like this. Like there's no way this transaction would have closed or, or you know, what's the appropriate undertaking to get on closing? What's the appropriate holdback? We don't know what the potential costs are. So, you know, obviously this is a multi-million dollar property, but still, how much are you holding back on closing to make sure that it's going to get fixed? And in what time frame is it going to get fixed after closing and who's going to fix it? 
and you know, and the, buyer, the buyer's in the business, he wants to move in and live there. He yeah. didn't want to buy there, move in and deal with engineers and surveyors and and contractors and the municipality and the and the region and the conservation authority. He wanted to be a homeowner. Yeah. It turns That's out this was an conservation NHL authority. Player. You know, when I hear that word in residential real estate, my just the hair on the back of my neck stands up because yeah. um, you know these guys are extremely uh, difficult to deal with, and, yeah. and and I mean they're difficult to deal with because you know they rely on certain expert reports. And these expert reports just cost an insane amount of money to produce, right? right. And for the average person, um, it's extremely difficult to deal with just because of the deep pockets you need to have. You know, you right. need this report, you need that report, you need this report. Then after you get all these reports, they need more reports. And it could cost hundreds and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars to uh, go through the whole process to ensure that um, everybody's protected. Yeah. And, and there's a peace of mind process to this too. Like, um, you know, sometimes people are in the frame of mind where they're buying the property and they're planning to do a renovation and they're prepared to do all that. And they're prepared to take that on and, and live through that. Sometimes like in this example, this was, this was a, an NHL hockey player who was, you know, this is, you know, his, his home away, you know, when he's not, uh, you know, traveling the world to, to play hockey and want to come back to it. He doesn't want to come back and deal with all this stuff. He wanted to come back and use his backyard and swim in his pool and play tennis and have parties and do his, do his thing. So he would not have been the right frame of mind to take this on and deal with all the stuff post-closing and have the burden of it. Uh, and he didn't have to. He had the peace of knowing this was all going to be covered and all going to be protected. And he could just go about his business and deal with it. So, um, you know, really pleased that we had title insurance in place for him as part of this process and that we didn't have knowledge of all these issues uh, you know going into it absolutely well it's it's a great product and um, um, you know it's it's great to know what it covers what it doesn't cover uh, and some of uh, the details that we talked about today um, and I think it really provides a lot of benefits to to uh, to the industry and and to uh, homeowners. Yeah, it does, and, I, and I'm sure there's a topic that we'll come back to again because there's great examples of things that we can uh, talk about. You know, where title insurance got involved and what they did, and and uh, you know, maybe we'll even get a a representative or two of these title insurance companies to come on and tell some some great stories, and they have got great insight in this too, and can explain the benefits of coverage better than I can but we certainly appreciate their efforts and and, and our relationship with them and it's uh, so I'm glad you brought this up as a, as a topic for today David it's always a it's a good one it's a great one and David I'm really looking forward to next week because I mean next week I think we're going to start a two-part series talking about pre-construction and and you know this has been a topic and a trend that's really prevalent in our industry there's um, a lot of buyers really jumping in into the pre-construction world and a lot of agents are, are transacting more and more with pre-construction. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this topic and, and there's lots to talk about as well. Lots to talk about. So it might be a 12-hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Stay safe out there uh, and, and buy lots of real estate. Stay safe, everybody, and get out there. Lots of opportunities. Get in touch with, uh, with David Gorski at Sutton Summit. He's got a great team there. Yeah, we'll, we'll put you in touch with the right realtor to help you navigate. And um, again, my message is, especially if you own multiple properties, um, I would you know consider selling one and, and taking some risk off the market. It's a great time to sell. Um, if you're looking to buy, there is a lot of opportunities out there as well especially outside of the GTA and in the pre-construction world as well. So uh, give our office a call and we'll help you navigate. Looking forward to next week's webinar uh, podcast, excuse me, podcast already. All right, Dave. See you then. Thank you.